So I, I want to just, um, I'm excited to just speak to you tonight. I've got, I believe I have something for you from the, from the Word and from the Holy Spirit. Are you expecting? Amen. Father, we just thank you for this time. We dedicate it to you. We give it to you. We thank you, Lord, for utterance. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you for a flow from the Holy Ghost. We thank you for open ears, open hearts, and we are determined to put a draw on the gift and determined to receive what you have for us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I was reading yesterday in our, um, oh no, it was today. Actually, I read it yesterday by accident and wrote a whole thing and then I went to go post it and realized, oh, that was tomorrow's. <laughs> I was a day ahead. But it was now the salt and the light. If you're following with us on our daily reading, it was in Luke um, 14. And if you want to look at Luke 14, you can go ahead and turn to that. Luke 14:34. Um, but I recently came upon these really cool magic salt shakers. Does anybody have these? This is my new gift on December in our exchange thing because these are amazing. I'm so excited about them. Got it at Walmart. There's a pepper shaker as well to match. But you got, no one has these? Oh my goodness. Y'all are chefs out there. You're more of a chef than I am. This has hand grinding in it. Okay, let me tell you, I put the salt in there that I had at home and it was already kind of older and it was already kind of, it wasn't the coarse kind, it was kind of already ground up. And I tried to do, the, it has a battery inside, it has three or more batteries inside, it's worth every penny. And I tried to do the little magic trick, see? That makes me so happy. I know this is like a lot of effort, but isn't it cool? All you do is push this little button, and it grinds it. I'm sorry, we'll clean up after. So anyway, I was trying to get this thing to work, and my husband said, I said, well, how won't it work? He said, well, I think you have the wrong kind of salt in there. And the salt that I had in there was older. It had been up in the pantry, and it, it was just not working. And it didn't have a lot of taste to it either. It was kind of had been sitting up there on, in the cabinet for a long time. So then I put the new salt, I got some new salt. I immediately went to Amazon and ordered a big bag of coarse salt. And uh, yes, I'm an Amazon freak. And, um, <laughs> and put it in there, put the batteries in as I thought they went, and tried to do it again and it didn't work. And opened it back up and realized one of my batteries had kind of slipped out and wasn't in there correctly. So of course I got this whole sermon out of it. <laughs> And, um, and it actually came to light yesterday when I was reading in our, in our reading. It says, Luke 14, 34, it says, Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is not of no use either of the soil or, or the manure pile. If it is thrown away, it is thrown away, and he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I need my glasses. So um, <clears throat> I was reading this, and I thought, okay, okay. You know, we've heard all our lives, if you've been in church, you've heard that you were the salt of the earth, right? The light of the world, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, the salt of the earth. So I, I wrote this whole thing about how, you know, <clears throat> my salt had been sitting up in the cabinet for a long time. It was really useless. It didn't fit in the thing correctly, and I tasted it, and it was tasteless. And I thought, man, I'm just going to throw it away. There's no use in keeping it. And then my batteries weren't in there correctly, and I couldn't even utilize this thing, and felt like the Lord was showing me some things about how until we're connected, until we're plugged in, until there's power behind what we're doing, 
We're useless. And our salt is useless, of no good. But I'm thinking, what is the big deal about salt? I mean, why is, we, we skim over this. And you know, uh, Buddy and Sandra were watching The Chosen and they were saying how it's bringing so many things to light. You know, because the culture in that time was so different than the way things are nowadays. We have so many things that we take advantage of and we don't realize how blessed we are. And that day, salt was a big deal. We're gonna talk about it. But I wanna ask you first of all, what is your purpose in life? Have you thought of what your purpose in life is? I mean, I know probably every one of us are, we're pursuing what we uh, have to set our hand to do. But do you wake up in the morning thinking, what is my purpose today? Or do you think, this is what I have to do today? We usually think, well, this is what I have to do today. And I wanna kinda shift your mindset. You know, my, my mind has been so much on doing things intentionally. That's my word for the year. That's the word the Lord gave me for our Bible study for our ladies is intentional living. And I'm thinking, okay, how can I be the salt of the earth intentionally? Because as you're going to see in this scripture, our purpose is to be the salt. No matter what you do, no matter what you're setting your hand to, <clears throat> no matter what you uh, are paid to do on a day-to-day -day basis, in the midst of what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, your full purpose is to be the salt of the earth. Amen? And so, thank you for that amen. So, um, you know, why is our purpose so important? Is it because we want to gain power? Is it because we want to be popular? Is it, is it for money? Is it, you know, what are the things that drive us to have purpose in our life? What, what, just think about it for a minute. What is my purpose? And what is driving me? Well, most people are, what's driving them is to earn a living and to take care of families, right? That's the majority of our drive, but in the midst of that, why are you here on earth? You're not here on earth just to make money and provide for your family. In the midst of that, there is another purpose for your life. And I'm just wanting to bring this to your attention because I don't want you to miss out in being intentional for the purpose of your life. Because you can go day to day doing what you do, earning money, raising kids, being a spouse, uh, being a part of a church, serving and doing things that you feel like you're supposed to be doing out of the obedience of your heart, and yet miss out on what God really has purpose for you to do. Do you believe that? So I want to just draw your attention to it. And I, and I want to mention this. I think it's human nature for us to be, when we wake up, to think, um, you know, uh, there was a man, I don't want to say his name, he, he wrote a book, well, you'll know who it is when I say it, Purpose Driven, and there's part of that that I don't like because what happens is you're so driven by your purpose in life that you become exalted above what God has called you to do. Does that make sense? You start focusing so much on your purpose that you miss out on what your purpose is because you get so self-focused. And I truly believe that in this hour, you know, the scripture that we focus on about the last days, there'll be perilous times. Many will be deceived. Men will be lovers of themselves. That's what the scripture says. And we think as Christians, that's not me, because I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm not selfish. I'm selfish. That's not me. No, I'm telling you what, there are some selfish Christians. Because we get so focused on our purpose, and so focused on what God's called us to do. Don't look at anybody. You're going to make me distracted. <laughs> look at each other laughing, and I'm thinking, what are they saying? <laughs> no.
finger poking at each other. So what I'm saying here is, and I feel like the Lord has been has been arresting my heart with this, is we can be so purpose-driven and self-driven that we miss the mark. Because we're to get up every day and say, Lord, use me. What was the thing we used to do when we would go to youth camp and we'd be at the front of the altar? We said, Lord, just use me. I'll do whatever you want me to do, right? We all did that, well, the ones of us who went to youth camp. We, we would say, Lord, whatever your will is, I'll do whatever you want me to do. We didn't, we didn't get up and think, okay, what is my purpose? I want to be a singer. I want to be a pastor's wife. I want to, you know, I, those weren't the things that we were thinking about. We were thinking about serving him and pleasing him and doing what was right before him and obeying him, obeying his heart. I'm telling you what, we went and saw that movie, um, His Only Son, Sunday Night, the Abraham movie. And it's a little bit slow, but man, the storyline, it really lets you see how determined Abraham was to obey God. I can't imagine waiting that long for the one promised son and knowing what God had said about he would be the seed to many nations. And you're thinking, you're, you're telling me to kill my son? I even thought about it like this. There were other religions that killed their children in that day. And so you're thinking, uh... Abraham, I think you're a little off your rocker. You're serving the wrong God right now. You know what I mean? You, you start to think about what he did out of obedience because he knew he heard God's voice. And Sarah, I'm imagining that she probably questioned whether he heard God's voice, right? But he was determined to follow after the purpose that God had called him to do. And so that should be our heart as well. Not just to do things and be something, be popular, be famous, have money to do this and that. Those things are all the side benefits. But our purpose should be first and foremost what I'm, we're getting ready to talk about here is being the salt and being the light of the earth. Amen? Okay, so here's a statement for you. Without purpose, you're like a sailboat without a rudder in the ocean. The greatest tragedy in life is a life without a purpose. I think that was my word born. And here's another. Having a wrong purpose is equally bad. You can be after the wrong thing. And stand before the Lord. We talked about this ladies last time. And the Lord said, what did you do with what I gave you to do? And you said, oh, well, I was doing this and doing that. And he said, that's not what I told you to do. We're the 500,000 souls that you were to affect because I told you to do this. Well, I was doing your work. No, you didn't do what I told you to do. And your works will be burned up because you didn't do what God called you. Or you did do what God called you to do. I don't know. So anyways, you get my, my point. So here, let's look at Matthew 5, 13. And I'm reading out of the ESV. I kind of like how it says it. Let me put my glasses on. Back there. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Your purpose is to be the salt and the light. The Greek emphasis, and you know that's the original translation, the Greek emphasis emphasizes the word you. You are to be the salt. You alone are to be like almost like nobody else. You are to be the salt. And I thought when I read this, what if I'm the only one on this street where I live that I'm supposed to be the salt? And I'm just going to say I have failed. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but and I think what happens is we're living in this world that there's so much darkness. And we're Christians, and we hear, you're in the world, but not of it. You're, you're not to be like the world. And so we sort of 
pull away from the world because we're kind of afraid of it. You know what I'm saying? We're a little bit paranoid. We're a little bit, we don't want to be touched by it. We don't want to be affected by it. And some of those things are good, but we have to be in the world, not of it. In it, not of it. We have to affect the world. And some of y'all are affecting the world. I'm not saying that all of us across the board here are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. I'm just giving you an example of what God's spoke to my heart to give you, that we need to be effective for the kingdom. Our purpose is to be the salt and the light. And what I want to talk to you about, though, is I, I didn't realize this until I started looking into some things about the importance of salt. You know, you think, oh, salt, well, you know, big deal. It's a 90-cent bottle of whatever, you know. But there, it's a big deal. In the day of Jesus, when he was, he was speaking to his disciples, when he said that, he said, these are the days that it's very important. It's crucial for survival. It's crucial for survival. So why salt? Salt was used to preserve meats. They didn't have refrigeration. So when they cut up their meats, they had to have salt to preserve it. So if you think about I'm the salt, I am I'm the salt to be used to preserve. And I truly believe we are preserving the earth right now. We are Christians, the salt of the earth. We're the reason why we're not being destroyed and consumed right now because there's so much evil in our world right now that we are pushing back the darkness through prayers and just the righteous existence right now. Amen? I truly believe that. We are pre to preserve, just like you preserve meats. There, do you know there were wars that have been fought over salt? Back in the Roman Empire days, there were wars over salt. Salaries were paid with salt because salt was such a high commodity. The word salary comes from the Latin word salarium, which also means salary, and has the root sal or salt in, in it. In ancient Rome, it specifically meant the amount of money allotted to a Roman soldier to buy salt, which was an expensive but essential commodity. It was used for antiseptic. They didn't have medicines. They used it for antiseptic. They used it to make food. They used it on their offerings. And you know, this was before Jesus. There were offerings done daily. They sacrificed. They used it to absorb blood. There was lots of blood being spilled for the sacrifices. Salt was used for that. You are a very important commodity to the kingdom because salt is valuable. And Jesus was talking to his disciples, saying, comparing his disciples, saying, you are the salt of the earth. There is a reason why. I, I want to drill this into your mind. You are important. You are a necessity. You are essential, not non-essential, essential to the world today. Amen? So we can't blame the world. We can't blame the meat when it becomes rotten or when it becomes decayed because it needs salt. We can't blame the world. We can't blame society for the way they're acting right now because it requires salt. It requires us. We have to be involved in the world today. We have to be involved in getting people saved, speaking and declaring the, the good news to others, sharing the love of Jesus. It's like that man I, I talked to you about Sunday that I, I shared with. I can tell he was so confused, and I walked away thinking, he doesn't believe at all in Jesus. How do I get it to him? His eyes are so blind because he was raised up as a Hindu. He has no understanding of Jesus. And he will die and go to hell for eternity 
if he doesn't get this. And I believe I sowed some seed that day. Amen. Somebody else can come along and water it. But if we're focused on, well, they'll figure it out, or if we're focused on, this is not my gift, that's for the evangelists to do. We've probably all kind of been a little bit guilty of that. That's for the pastors to do. That's for somebody else to do. No, it says you are the salt of the earth. That means we are all supposed to be doing something to help preserve the lives that are here on earth. Amen? So we've developed things intellectually, and that's probably one of our biggest things right now, the whole intellectual, you know, what is it, the uh, artificial thing that's going on. Economically, we've, we've developed these things scientifically, but spiritually we are rotting. And, of course, we understand there's a... There's a, it's been told in the Bible there's a, a, an order of things that are taking place. But part of that order is us. You know, we sang about it. Forever he is glorified. Forever. Pastor Steve talked about it Sunday. We talked about, you know, the cause of Christ, that we are the glory of Christ. We are the reason he did what he did so that we could spread the good news to others. Amen? And so if there's spiritual rottenness around us, then we are the answer. Point to yourself. Say, I am the answer to the world today. You know, I, I love that movie that just recently came out, um, you know, and everybody's been so hyped up about it and excited about it. But I thought, you know, what was so um, vital? I know there was a move of the Spirit. I know there was an anointing. But there was somebody that was intentional about sharing the love of Jesus. There was somebody that was intentional about being the salt. There was somebody that was intentional about spreading the good news. Somebody who really had a desire to get it to people. They weren't just floating through life and saying, well, whatever, case rah, rah, if it comes, it comes. No, there was some intentionality about what he was doing to be able to share the love of Jesus. And there was a Jesus revolution because somebody took it serious about being the salt. I want to ask you, if you got up tomorrow and thought, okay, I'm supposed to be the salt today on my job or wherever it is you go, in the store, wherever it is, would you be, have a different uh, approach maybe to what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Would you start thinking, you know, and maybe you do this already. Maybe y'all are already there, and I'm just preaching the wire, but could it be that we, if we would be more intentional about sharing the love of Jesus, and I just want to give you a charge I'm going to do it again, but I just want to say it now. I, I'm going to ask you to tell yourself, be more intentional about sharing the love of Jesus, and give yourself a number. Ask the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many you might share Jesus with. Ten? I don't know. Ten a month? Five a month? I don't know what's realistic to you. But be intentional about being salt to people. My, the salt doesn't land on my plate unless I'm intentionally picking it up and pouring it out, Right? And another thing, the salt is in this container. It's not scattered about until I start spreading it out. And just like us, we're, we're in this building, this, this church. We are the church. But until we're scattered out and we start sharing the love of Jesus with others, we're just, we're just keeping it to ourselves, right? Yes. And so we got to start sharing the love of Christ. we got to start sharing the gospel, the good news, because people want... We think, well, they don't want to hear it. No, they want the answer today. If we know how to give it to them in a, in a gentle way, we can't shove it down their throats. There's a way, there's an approach. There's an anointing that we can have to, to share Jesus with people. We can't just say, well, you're just dying and going to hell, you know. 
that's not very appealing to people. But we can ask the Holy Spirit how to do it, and he'll show us how to do it. Amen? Okay, so, is this making sense, y'all? Liverpool is the greatest port, and it was founded because of salt, a salt mine. I didn't know these things. Maybe y'all knew these things. I didn't. Salzburg is from the word salt. It literally means a salt castle. There were salt mines and gold mines in Salzburg, and it was named because of salt. So you can see there were some real important things about salt that Jesus was intentional about the words that he used when he said, you are the salt of the earth. So is the world getting any better? Probably not. Here's some statistics, and these are old statistics. I don't want to dig too much. But in the 80s, the suicide statistic was over 543,000. By uh, 2015, it was 910,908. And of course, here we are, how many more years later? I'm sure it's increased, especially through COVID. We know that it increased. Divorces, 534,000 in the 80s. In 2015, it was 952,000. Now, the divorce rate has gone down. Do you know why? Because people don't get married anymore. They just live together. They just live in sin. They just decided this is just the way it's going to be. And that's not a good thing either. Incarc incarcerations, 573,000 in the 80s. And in 2015, it was 2,247,280. HIV, 8,000,000. 2015, 36.7 million. Wow. How much more is it now? I don't know. Premarital sex. 75% of men and women have premarital sex before they're 20. 75%. That's amazing. So, is there an impact that Christians are making because of Jesus? Are we making an impact on the world? This should be our primary reason, purpose for living. I know there are things that we do, and those are our purposes and how we walk it out. But there, and it's a process. But our primary purpose and focus to our life and why we're breathing air right now is to share the love of Jesus, the gospel, the good news. And can you see how we can get really consumed with ourselves, with our lives, with what's going on? Uh, you know, I can think, man, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And here it is Friday. The week's gone already. That's why I'm, I'm seeing it's so important that the Holy Spirit is saying, be intentional about what you do every day. Write it down. Write it down and be intentional about sharing Jesus with asking to show somebody to you. Ask him to lead somebody. Because we should be filling this place up. We should be, and, it, and it should be because we're sharing the love of Jesus and we're getting new converts. We're not just pulling other sheep from other churches. We don't want to do that. We want new converts. We want people that have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We had somebody rededicate last week. We had two people the week before. Praise God. We're, we're seeing some, some growth and some increase, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. Not because of us, but because of the kingdom, because that's what we're all about is the kingdom. So I just want to give you a couple, a quick few little things here about the impact that Christians have made because of Jesus. Some specific things. Children. That this is huge. Back in the Roman Empire days, they killed their own kids. They didn't even name them for seven days because they would decide whether they wanted to keep them. Now, realize this was before the time of, of uh, birth control. So they have multiple kids and, you know, oh, do I want this one? Nah, I don't, you know. They, but look what, look what the gospel has done to share the love of Jesus, to encourage people about loving and and um, embracing, and I believe that's because of the gospel that that has changed. Women, women were considered third-class citizens. They were seen, not heard. 
They had mistresses, they had concubines. Uh, it was a big deal back in that day that women were just whatever. I mean, even that story that, that uh, Sarah, you know, giving uh, her husband over to her, uh, what's her name? Haggai. Haggai, yeah. That was like, oh my goodness, I don't know, I can't even imagine doing that nowadays, you know? And so, but that was kind of a normal thing in that day. That's all changed because I really believe because of the gospel. Amen? Health. There's sanitary things. There's dignity. There's sanctity of life. Health issues have changed because of sharing the gospel. Do you believe this? The good news? And I know that, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's having an effect in some other areas. I love what Kat and her husband are doing. And they're sharing Jesus in the midst of helping others with health and some other things. Education. Oh, I came upon this, and this just, like, totally blew my mind. Okay, so... Education. Did you guys know that in, I think it was 1967, no, 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 it was 1647, something like that, the forming of the first public school was called the, uh, let me just read it to you. I have it up there, don't I? In Massachusetts, yes, 1647, they passed the old deluder Satan Act. It was Delusional, the delusional Satan Act. It was the basis of laying, uh, laying the basis for public schools in America. This was the basis for the reason of the Puritans valued literacy highly. They believed all individuals should be able to read and interpret the Bible, the Bible, the Bible for themselves. So in 1642, Massachusetts had required parents to ensure their children's ability to read. And five years later, in this act, the state mandated community schooling. Act, this act required towns to support teachers for their children. The religious basis of the act was explicit. The act stated its intention was to thwart the old deluder Satan. And his goal to keep men from the knowledge of these scriptures. First top ten schools, and I, I heard it was like Harvard, Yale, all of them. They were all established to teach the word of God. How far have we come? Wow, that's what public school was established for, was to, to thwart the delusional minds of what Satan was trying to bring into children and, and, and people and teach them how to read so they could read the Bible so they could defeat the enemy. Isn't that amazing where we come to? You know, my son sent me a, a video of, um, um, uh, what do you call them, drag queen talking to children, and these children were, and they were, he was basically, you know, grooming them and making it okay to talk, and they were, the kids are not stupid, they're like, the girl says, I see a beard, and he has a pink dress on, you know, a wig and makeup, she said, I see a beard, and, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, and, and he admits he's gay, and, and, and they're trying to get these children to accept this. This is what's being accepted in our society, in our public school systems now. Do you see how important the salt is right now for the world today? We have to take this serious. This has, this has to be our number one agenda. It's not about us. It's not about us achieving things or being the best at things or, or, or trying to blend in or having the biggest church, the biggest, baddest sound or whatever it is. Our focus has to be on spreading the good news and, and establishing 
this place is a place where the Holy Spirit is able to flow, and there's an anointing here, and people are getting answers, and they're getting set free. They're getting delivered from demonic oppression and depression and fear and anxiety because the anointing is here. The anointing is what breaks the yoke. The anointing comes when people are here and they're sitting under the word. The anointing is here when we're singing songs. There's an anointing here. And people come in and their lives are changed. But we got to get them here. We got to get them here. Amen? So the word says the city cannot be hidden. It's, it's, it's the nature of light itself to reveal things. It cannot be hidden. Do you guys remember a few times when we lost our electricity? during that whole free, froze, freezing, frozen thing we went through. And um, we, we kind of like, I would make dinner real quick while we had electricity and lights. And then I would plan for when we wouldn't have lights. Do you remember how dark it was when everything went out? How really dark it was at night if, if it went off at nighttime? And I, I thought, man, what, what is it like for people to walk in darkness like that? There's no hope in that darkness. There's no, there's but the least little bit of light. So during that time, I brought my little examples. During that time, I don't know why, but the Holy Spirit had me buy these things. Well, I do know why now, but for my husband, um, for Christmas, right before the freeze, <laughs> with three of them. How many, who else got these? I think it cost over some. Look how bright they are. You can't tell because there's lights everywhere else. But if this was the only light on right now, you gonna turn them out? This was the only light on. You would really be thankful for that light. And so I had three of these. So you can leave them off. I want to give an example here. So if I have all three of these here t together, there's quite a bit of light right here. But if all the lights were off back there and there were no lights anywhere else, This light dispels the darkness right here. But how much greater would it be, would you take that one over there, if we had some light spread out throughout? You see how important it is to, for us to be the light everywhere we go? We're not just the light here in this building together. That's a wonderful thing because it's important that we're being built up, being equipped. But when we get the light, then we take it out. And we take it places wherever we go. We take it to tractor supply. We, we take it to wherever you go. I don't know where you go. But it's all over the place. So the light is being spread. You see what I'm saying? And it's affecting people. It affected me when the lights came on. You can turn them off. It affected me when our lights came back on when it was really pitch black, it affects your heart. It affects your attitude. It affects your mind. It affects your body. Of course, I'm sure there's all kinds of health studies done about you know, the light and the sun and all that. And of course, we need vitamin A, D, and K, and all those things. But the light of God, and it says that you're a city on a hill that cannot, cities were formed on hills back then much more than they are now. We're Liberty Hill. We should be a light on this hill, this place, Amen. where people are drawn because they're hearing about the goodness of God. They're hearing about the anointing breaking the yoke. They're hearing about uh, change. They're hearing about how 
And, and I'm, I'm not coming down. I'm encouraging us because this is all of our focus. I know this is. I, that's why you're here. That's why y'all are here because you believe in what, what the vision is and what we've established and the direction we're going. Because this is the direction we're going. This is the heart of New Life Faith Church. Y'all know we're Faith Church legally. And so our direction right now is to be a light on this hill. We're not here to compete with others. We're not here to, 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 to uh, vie for a position or, or to try to take people from places. We want to bring in, there's a whole lot of people out there that need to hear about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's look at John 8, 12. Is this helping you a little bit? I just want to just kind of tweak your heart a little bit and get you thinking about some things. John 8, 12 says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How can we live as the light without Jesus? We cannot live and follow after Jesus and not have light in our lives. Amen. A true follower reveals Jesus through their lives. If you're just mentally a Christian and it's not changing and bringing transformation in your heart, then you just have a religion. Because you can be thinking that you're a Christian, but then have attitudes and nastiness coming out of you and, and offenses and, and talking about people and all these other things. You know, I don't know what, what all there is, but all these other things that are coming out, that's not the life of Christ. That's not being a follower of Jesus. Amen? A true Christian is a follower of Jesus. You can't be a Christian in your head and not be following him. Amen? You have to be experiencing the transformation of the truth in your life. And how does that come? We know, you know, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There has to be a getting into the word. You cannot mentally ascend to the truth. You cannot intellectually ascend to the truth. You cannot, out of your own mind, decide what the truth is because it will deceive you. And that's how doctrines of men come. You have to follow after Christ. And 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 is so important. It says, humble yourselves. I can't humble you. You, you can't humble me. My husband can't humble me. I can't submit. I, I don't submit to him unless I do it myself. The word tells me to, but I have to submit myself to him. We have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he will exalt us in due time. What does he do to the proud? He resists the proud. If you're feeling like you're frustrated and you can't find your way and there's some things going on, maybe just check your heart because pride is resisted, but humble is graced. There's grace when we have a humble heart before him. Amen? And everyone, everyone, every one of us have to do this. No one is omitted from this because every one of us are human. And we can fall into this and slip into it without even realizing. Even with spirituality, we can start thinking things because we're, we're in this place where we're, we're reading and we're meditating and, and we start getting into this high lofty place and all of a sudden you don't even realize it, but you're in a place of pride. You have to stay humble before the Lord so that he can show you the way to go. Amen? Amen. I've lived this long enough 
I've seen it long enough, many times, and, and it's good to have somebody to, to help check you, to keep you in balance with this, because um, we don't know we're in pride when we're in pride, until we're in pride, right? Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's look at um, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. All right, is this helping y'all? I, I just think it's a good reminder. It, it was a good reminder for me, and it just quickened my heart to just say, Lord, help me with this. So 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4 says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Who is the God of this world? It is not Jesus. It is not God. The God of this world is Satan. Because Adam, what he did, Adam and Eve, they handed over the keys, right? Or, well, not the keys, but they handed over the earth uh, when they sinned and they fell. And so the God of this world has blinded their eyes, their minds, of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So if people that are walking in darkness are walking, those who are unbelievers are walking in darkness, then who, what are we? We're the light. And so we come in and we bring light to the darkness. We expel the darkness. We don't blend in with the darkness. We don't uh, obsess over the darkness. We don't say, oh, the world is so dark. What are we going to do? No, we have the answer. We are the light. My kids, when they were going to school, they would say, they'd come to me and say, Mom, we're the only ones who don't cuss. Everybody cusses. And they wanted to cuss. I said, you're not going to, you don't cuss. We don't cuss. That's not who you are because you're in this world, but you're not of it. You're of another kingdom. You're aliens. And it's okay. They didn't like it, but that's okay. Mom, everybody drinks. Everybody gets drunk. And, and, and you know, whatever. I said, we don't. That's not who we are. We're not of this world. Everybody smokes weed. Everybody's smoking weed now, Mom. Everybody. We aren't. Have you seen me smoke weed? No. <laughs> we don't. You don't. Because you are of another kingdom. There is a call on your life. You are to be different. If you smoke weed, if you drink, if you cuss, you become darkened in your heart. And you become like them. Because you blend in. You want to stand out. They didn't like standing out. But they made it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Not without some bumps. We got through. Praise God. So people reject Jesus because they don't see and they don't understand. But we're here to bring light, to help them see, to help them understand. We bring righteousness. We bring Jesus to this world, this dying world. And if we're obeying the word, if we're living our lives as we should without being judgmental and all these things, we're showing Jesus. Um, there is a, a, do you guys know what sodium chloride is? Sodium chloride. So it's a type of, they, they use salt, but it's actually a toxin. It's toxic. And so we are to be the light, the sodium, what is it, chloride? Chloride. But when we become like the world, we become toxic. And we become sodium chloride. And it's poisonous. And we just blend in. Right? So we're, we're supposed to, the Bible warns us, to not copy the world. We have we cannot compromise. We have no room for compromise. No room for compromise. When a when a pilot is 
um, flying a plane, there is no room for a compromise or he will take out the plane. You know, my brother-in-law with his plane, he had an incident happen. I don't remember all the details. The guy made a mistake. Pilot hit two of them. He always has two. One of them made a mistake. Landed, fired him. There's no room for mistakes. There's no room for compromise. Now, we're not perfect. We're under grace. We follow after what God's called us to do. But we have to walk the straight and the narrow. That's what the word tells us. Wide, there's a wide way, and there are fewer of those who find the narrow way. That's going to be me. How about you? We're going to find the narrow way. Okay, so James 4, 4 says, Therefore, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Friendship with the world means we're going along with it, we're living in it, we're agreeing with it, we're loving the lusts of the flesh, and dri driving those spirits behind them. And it's all self, 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 right? It's self-focused. You can't do that. You have to be a friend of God. The only way to be God's friend is to turn away from sin, turn to Jesus, give him your heart, follow after him. All that is good, pure, lovely, noble, good report. So here's a statement for you. It is not, it, and I don't know where I got this quote. It is not the ship in the water, but the water in the ship that sinks it. So it is not the Christian in the world, but the world and the Christian that constitutes the danger. Anything that dims my vision of Christ or takes away my taste for Bible or cramps my prayer life or makes Christian work difficult is wrong for me, and I must, as a Christian, turn away from it. This is uh, J. Wilbur Chapman. Light is so valuable, it's important. Jesus, uh, in his days, the light was very important. So Matthew 5, 14 through 15, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand, it, it gives it light to all the house. So we talked about that, about the, uh, the light being the example. Another thing that I thought was interesting is some of the things that Christians have affected. We've affected the economics. We've affected art. We've affected music. I think it was Beethoven. Every time he would write a piece, he would write at the bottom, all to the glory of God. Bach, uh, Handel, uh, all were influenced because... Of Jesus, because well, because of God, for Jesus. So anyway, excuse me. You know, we went to Paris. He looked up at the ceiling at uh, Palace of Versailles and saw the artwork on that ceiling. It just made me cry because I thought, "This is God." It was so overwhelming to me. This is a display of the handiwork of the glory of God. And I, you know, I should have brought you a picture of it so you could have seen it. But if you haven't been there, but. It is truly amazing to me if we will allow God to flow through us what we can do. We limit his abilities in and through us because we don't believe in what he's put on the inside of us. And so I want to just encourage you, be intentional about what you're doing. And it doesn't matter how old you are. I want to just put that out there. There's a temptation when we get older to think, well, my days are getting are numbered and I don't have as many days to do things with and you know focus on what God wants you to do what his purpose is in your life and how you can affect others amen it's not just about what you want to do every day it's about what he wants you to do amen does that make sense to y'all yeah. I hope that helps you I didn't get through everything but I think we're out of time so let me look at Colossians 4 6 I'm going to give you this let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. 
Um, do you know why people are decaying and, and they're deceived? Is because a lot of Christians aren't acting like Christians. So it's important that our, our speech, we're edifying, we're encouraging, we're, we're loving people, we're not being ugly, we're not responding. Uh, that's one thing that chloride, what did, what did I say it was? Sodium chloride, it is explosive and reactionary. It's the one that's toxic. It's explosive and reactionary. And I thought, wow, isn't that interesting that when we, we become toxic, that we can become explosive and reactionary and do things outside of the will of God. So praise God.